You are listening to The Whole Church Podcast. Our efforts to educate and unite the church are made possible thanks to our sponsors on Patreon. Please consider joining them for $3 a month, where you can get discounts on our special merchandise and our upcoming event, the Every Tribe, Denomination, and Tongue Convention. Luke 15, chapters 20 through 24 in the Christian Standard Bible read, So he got up and went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran, threw his arms around his neck, and kissed him. The son said to the father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his servants, Quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it, and let's celebrate with the feast. Because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Now, when they say that is alive again in this verse, the Greek word is anazao. So, uh, Christian, what what do these four verses, this pericope of scripture say about being born again? Well, this whole story of the prodigal is one of the best in the Bible for showing how God views us as those who have run as far away as possible. And yet, when we come to that realization of who God is and our need for a Savior, our need to repent, what does he do to us? He doesn't treat us as less than. He doesn't give up on us. He embraces us and then gives us the best that he has to offer. And even better, he makes us a part of a community that is going to do the same thing if we're all working together correctly with God. And that's just the most wonderful part of this. Welcome everybody to the Whole Church Podcast. It could be your favorite Church Unity Podcast. It could also be part of your favorite Christian Podcaster Network. More about that in a second. Um, This is going to be a weird and special episode, but before anything else, I have to introduce you to the one the only on the eighth day god made podcast and he said let he didn't say it was good he said it could be good if i made a tj and thus we have the greatest co-host of all time the one and only tiberius juan blackwell how's it going tj great thanks for asking yeah i don't know if our listeners knew you were around since the eighth day but now they do um so guys the weirdness of this episode is uh, a lot of stuff got canceled and I played a weird audible. So you're going to get a three parter today. We are going to continue our church services series with two different ministers of different churches. Hang in there. You're going to get to hear about home churches and non-denominational churches. It's going to be a good time. But before you do, we're going to tell you about an idea we had to start a Christian podcast network with some of your favorite Christian podcasters. So you have TJ and I, Well, you know, I'm here to announce TJ. That's my whole purpose. But then you have the host of the Let Nothing Move You podcast you heard from earlier, Christian Ashley. How's it going, Christian? I'm all right. How are you, Joshua? Doing well, doing well. Christian is Baptist-ish and is attending a Baptist seminary, the Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, We are also joined by the host of one of my other favorite podcasts, My Seminary Life. Uh, definitely my favorite seminary podcast so far because I forgot to click the one that he sent me the other time that he thinks I'll like more. I'm not convinced yet. That's why I didn't click it. Brandon Knight. <laughs> Special and weird to the thousandth degree. This is oh, yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. Um, Pete Holmes has a podcast that's like, uh, uh, I forget what it is. It's about weirdos. And he's like, let's get weird is like one of his catchphrases. And uh, that's that's today. That is today. Pete Holmes, if you want to get our podcast, we have a list of requirements. You do have to be Christian, Pete Holmes, but we we might consider letting your weirdo podcast join. If you, you know, (laughs) meet a bunch of requirements, change your fundamental beliefs and all of that. A lot of people get Um, really cool with a lot of things really quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So we're going to talk about Anazao ministries podcast so those of you who pay close attention might notice that both whole church and systematic ecology have had anazal ministries as the author name for a while and uh now something is coming to fruition with that that we're going to talk about um they were having tony swisher come and speak about his church and how they run their church services and why they run it the way they do 
And then last but not least, part three, another return guest, Joe Day of Buddy Walk with Jesus and Kingdom on the Road is going to come and talk with us about the home church and how they do church services and why they do it the way they do. So you get a twofer for the series and you get to learn about something new. Yeah. Speaking of wow. weird and weird and strange, most conventions do not have to move uh, one to 200 miles away. Yeah. Ours did, however. Uh, so we'd be delighted to see you in Chapel Hill. Uh, we're still going to have local food trucks, uh, local to Chapel Hill. They're not driving from Charlotte. They wouldn't swing for that. Um, Fortunately. Come join us. Yeah. Also, there's going to be a shaved ice truck at least once. If for no other reason than for TJ. Really, I just kind of put a thing out there to like this food truck network in Chapel Hill and an ice shaved ice truck responded. And I was like, if I say no to this, TJ might kill me. And so there's going to be a shaved ice truck. <laughs> For those who don't know, TJ's really into flavored ice of pretty much any kind. Um, so before we get into it, guys, silly question. We've been doing this for our church services series, and uh, it's going to be fun to do it with you guys before we talk about anything else. We're going to ask you about a Star Wars character and what church you think they would most fit in with. Like what church service would they enjoy the most? And today we're going with Princess Leia. What church would Princess Leia enjoy most? I'll go first. I'll go first. Let you guys think about it. I feel like it's super obvious. I got to say the Anglican church, you know, she's got the royalty vibe going on, but she's not quite Catholic. She's a little too much of a rebel for that. So I'm going to go Anglican on this one. DJ. I'm going to say like old school Pentecostal, old, old school Pentecostal. Yeah. Like no skirts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, like, like no underwear unless they're made of the same cloth. No rings. No rings. Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bowling. Uh, <laughs> Christian, save us. <laughs> I don't know if I can, but I'll do my best. I, I was struggling to think of an answer for this. And I like the Anglican one. I like the Pentecostal one. But I was just thinking, what if Quaker slash friends and the ideal okay. of looking out for other people in a way that very few Christian denominations do, uh, the Quakers are supposed to be like. And obviously there's that whole, like, um, that's what I'm looking for, not violence. Um, they're very pacifistic by nature, and she'd appreciate yeah. parts of that after living a life, after that long time of having to deal with war mm. and the like. I'd give that to Princess Leia. Mm. Mm. That, that checks out. Okay. Uh, Brandon, bring us home, man. I like this. We all came up with something different. Presbyterian. Okay. Presbyterian, okay. because similar to you, Josh, with the whole she's not Catholic, but kind of that like high liturgical type of environment. Plus, with the Presbyterian, you get into the whole history of Scotland and how much they don't like the Anglican yeah. and the Catholic Church. So you get very <laughs> much like a very staunch like. But I like yeah. uh, Christian's okay. answer of this, like, you know, maybe later on in life, she then converts to being a Quaker. This is that's. Yeah. I like that thought. See, I like that too. I like that too. Yeah. Um, we, of course, we'd all be remiss if we didn't, for the sake of Pastor Will, shout out, mention uh, she, she could potentially be a Lutheran, I guess. For some reason, there's just something about like the the general like, and this is more experience based than it is liturgical based or anything, but most Lutherans I know are just too casual. Like, I just don't see her being that casual. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, huh. there's something. Yeah. Yeah, also, yeah, I just yeah. don't think she'd like beer as much. Yeah, you got to drink a certain amount of beer <laughs> per year to be Lutheran. That's why I haven't quite made it to member yet. <laughs> yeah, yet. All right. So that being said, I wanted, we're going to do that ordination. I want to do that ordination process. That sounds great. Now Will's upset that I mentioned the Lutheran Church. Great. <laughs> it's like Josh. What did you do? Sorry, Will. Um. <laughs> I don't think we so, could have pleased him with this one, the so, way things are going. So now, <laughs> we're going to talk about the Amazal Ministries podcast um, and why we're doing it. Uh, basically, turns out it's a lot easier to get sponsors as a network. Um, as our show on its own, uh, sponsors only look for our numbers. As a network as a whole, they look at the whole of the numbers of everybody coming together. So we're, we're looking to build some synergy we're looking to have all of our streams in one place. So if you guys want to just follow all of our podcasts at once, you could be a little bit more convenient for some of you. Um, have one website. So, you know, you'd be like, hey, I like these guys podcasts. What other podcasts do they do? And of course, you know, I don't do my seminary life, but it's in the same vein. So that's sort of the goal of what we're trying to do here. 
Um, am I leaving anything out? I know I discussed this pretty in depth with Christian and Brandon. So uh, TJ just agreed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, part of it is definitely the whole church mentality of bringing together, you know, different people from different groups, you know, uh, as mentioned earlier, Christian is kind of Baptist. I'm kind of an existentialist. Like we've got, we're going to have a whole bunch of TJ is definitely a Pentecostal. Like we have, a, we have a lot <laughs> of like different groups coming together in this to continue to build this whole church mentality that you guys started with here on the show. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's why I wanted to announce it on whole church. Um, you guys know, Systematic Ecology, the other podcast we did, spinned off from this, and it has a lot of different denominations and faiths and stuff represented over there. And that, you know, that was the first kind of expansion of what we do into something new. And this is kind of going to be even even further expansion of, hey, we're not even going to agree with all the shows that are part of this network, but we do have set things that we're working on that we think everybody should agree on. But, you know, it's going to be somewhere between, for our listeners, they'll understand that between tier one and tier two, we're going to, you know, you have to believe in tier one stuff. You don't have to agree with us on all the denominational stuff. So it's not quite tier two issues we're concerned with. So it's somewhere in between there. Um, yeah, TJ, you were asking about Anazao. Yeah. So what does Anazao mean to you? It's a moniker you've held on to for quite a few years now. Yeah. TJ would be the most aware of this because he's been around for longer. Actually, yeah. Longer than even Christian. Because, <laughs> yeah, I've known him since he was basically a child. Um, sometime in college. So Christian's known me since it started. Um, I just saw a lot of things I didn't love in the super conservative evangelical church, whatever stuff that I was talking about that I was like, I don't love this. And I got a vision to make to start my own church because I didn't know what all was out there. My beliefs and everything has grown, et cetera. A lot of stuff has grown. But the, the idea was it was going to be centered around this Greek word for life. That was Zao. For a while, we had an online ministry called Team Zao. Um, and you know, it was just team life. It was a lot of us talking about either physical health, mental health, or spiritual health. We had a whole website. I got into a car accident and the website basically ended, including a podcast that we would occasionally do with blogs over there. That's when someone, when they found out that that's why we stopped, sent me a mic and said, Hey, could you start doing that again? And, uh, instead of just doing it again, we created something new, the whole church podcast, but I've kind of always held on to that Anazao term, um, Especially it became more on his owl after the accident. It became less just life, but to live again is what that word means. After I had my accident and kind of really had this more experience that made the symbolism make more sense. So that's where I was like, yeah, no, this is something I want to hold on to. In fact, I have a tattoo that's covering the scars from my accident. That is a cherry blossom, which is representative of new life in Japanese cultures. Also something close to me and my mom. So it's also kind of a, my mom tattoo, if you will. And on it, I have the coin Greek term, Anazao. So it has the weird squiggly Z. Yeah, I'm a it's big fun. fan of a squiggly Z. It's cool. If this was a video format, I'd show everybody. <laughs> well, it could be. Yeah, We are recording True. it. Yeah. Um, so Take your shirt off. What a, whenever it. we were talking about this, one of the catchphrases we came up with was um, basically Christian podcasters who aren't afraid to ask the bigger questions. Um, Brandon, we've talked a lot. Could you kind of just expound exactly what do we mean by that? And what is this network going to be all about? Sure. So there's a lot of Christian podcasts out there, folks. I don't know if you ever noticed that because basically anybody can... This is a very easy thing to get into. If I can figure it out, True. anyone can do this. Yes, <laughs> I'm not. I am not good at technology. And there's a lot of Christian podcasts out there. And a lot of them deal with this uh, kind of fall into this genre of come share your testimony. And that's fine. And we need shows like that. We need shows where stories of what God is doing in people's lives. That is important. That is encouraging to hear. But in the in just like the wider world of Christianity that we are in right now, particularly in American Christianity, we need more teaching. We need to wrestle with bigger questions because your typical evangelical church is going to deal more with just that everyday life stuff. 
in in the podcast format, we can get into those deeper theological truths that we need to wrestle with and encourage people with. And so this idea of Christians who aren't afraid to wrestle with the big question means that these are going to be shows that are primarily dealing with bigger questions in life, dealing with, um, you know, not just shying away from topics like deconstruction, the LGBTQ plus community, uh, different theological worldviews, different ways to do church like you guys talk about. So just throughout this network, you're going to find shows coming at it from different perspectives, different angles, different interpretations, dealing with these bigger topics. Yeah. And it won't just have to be Christian topics either. We might have some shows that are true Mm -hmm. crime, Christians talking about true crime and Asking the big questions about that topic, you know, systematic ecology. Sometimes we're going to ask the big questions of what does happen if Superman gets in the Star Wars universe and discovers he has force powers. God, that was a cool episode. And we're going to ask questions there either is no answer to or we have no way of knowing the answer to because, you know, we're not we're not afraid to talk about things we don't know. Um, I think that's the gist of it. Yeah, I'd just like to say, I mean, as far as it pertains to the three of us having this conversation, it's already been fruitful. And how to disagree with each other in a loving manner. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And not to say like we've had this huge argument or anything, but like there have been topics brought up. It's like, okay, well, let's word it this way or let's discuss it this way. And that's something you're not going to learn if you don't have conversations with people that would think outside the way that you do. And I'm really hoping that that is something that becomes a focus of the whole narrative of this uh, network. Yeah. Yeah. That is definitely our hope as the whole church podcast, you know, kind of. I, I, I want to say spearheading it, but, you know, we're all kind of spearheading it together. But, um, yeah, yeah, there's still a lot to work out, a lot of details. We're kind of figuring it out, but we wanted to go ahead and announce to you guys so you know what to look for in the future. And I'm sure Brandon and Christian will come back and we'll talk more about it to you guys in another segment some other time. But for now, we're going to sure. transition over to our church services series that you guys came here for. <laughs> and we are talking first with... Tony Swisher, and uh, hey Tony, how, how how are you doing today, man? What's what's the name of your church and all that? Do you mind? Um... Uh, so I'm doing all right. The name of the church I go to is uh, the Church Keeler, and Keeler is just the area we live in. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Keeler is just the name of the area that the church is in. Uh, we've had people ask, like, "Oh, is this uh, is like that?" The pastor's last name, it's like, no, it's just the area we're in. So, Oh, okay. Okay, Keeler. So is that a non-denominational church then? Yes, we are a non-denom church. Uh, formerly, we're a part of the General Baptist Association. Uh, but then like seven years ago, we cut denominational ties, rebranded, things of that sort. So, Yeah, yeah. Awesome. And uh, what exactly do you do there? And um, could you tell us some about yourself? And I know you have a podcast as well. So just kind of letting everybody know who you are as we're in part two. So they kind of know what's going on. (laughs) Uh, So I'm actually the sound and media guy at the church. So I run pretty much the mixer and my wife runs the lyrics and stuff. Uh, And then as far as like content creation and stuff like that, I'm huge part of that and then the podcast that i'm a part of which is on a temporary hold right now is inside the community Mm -hmm. uh which is focusing on unity in the body and why it's so important and how community should be done within the church setting and just how it relates to life in general well that's um pretty relevant so (laughs) we'll have (laughs) to have you come on again just to talk about the podcast because that's um sounds like we have some overlapping goals there yes yeah. So we, we want this to be as expansive as possible to get an idea of why churches do things the way that they do. Uh, so could you walk us through your service and what it would be like to visit from the parking lot through what happens after the service and fill us in on why you do things the way you do? All right. So Sunday morning starts off. We start right around 10 a.m. ish. Uh, we kind of run on uh keeler time so it's anywhere from 10 a.m sharp to like quarter after uh we're a small rural church and so there's no one really out in the parking lot uh but like when you walk in once we do start we start immediately with communion uh for those who are there uh 
and the communion is like we just go through go through it and with that uh the bread itself is baked fresh every sunday so we do like actual uh matzo wow. bread uh that's something we just started and just because oyster crackers weren't cutting it uh, <laughs> yeah limited budgets you know um and then after that we usually get into worship uh just because like first we honor why we're there which is why we do communion first we honor yeah. why we're there and then we get into worshiping and we'll worship for a good hour hour 15 uh pretty much until until the pastor or the overseer um who is whoever speaking that day until they believe mm -hmm. it's time to go up based on like the presence of the lord come filling the house and uh, things of that nature. We like to leave room for the spirit to move. And so we'll worship until it's time to no longer worship, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. once like we get into worship and then the pastor comes up and he'll pray. And then that's when we'll start like our live stream is after he's done praying. And then we'll he'll give the message. And then depending on where the spirit leads, there will either be an altar call or he'll just close in prayer. And then anyone who needs prayer is invited to come up afterwards. And then it's kind of just socialize until you're ready to leave kind of thing afterwards. Hmm. Nice. Always good socializing. Those are always fun. Yeah. Yes. You guys almost sound Pentecostal. Almost. Yeah. They, they almost do. And yeah, my church yeah. doesn't really socialize afterwards. Some of them will go to the brewery across the street. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a good old Baptist church. <laughs> well, you know, I'm Lutheran right now, but grew up Pentecostal. Gotcha. Somewhere in between yeah. is probably the Baptist ideas. Uh, so I actually grew up uh, IFB, believe it or not. Gee, interesting. Uh, so for those who don't know, that's Independent Fundamental Baptist, uh, to where it was, you have Sunday school, 945 sharp until 1045, and then at 11, you sing two hymns, have the welcome, the offering. You sing about three or four more hymns, and then you have the sermon. You have a closing hymn, and then you're out. Um, but that's not so much now with this. And like, what's interesting and what I like about our service structure now for the Church Keeler is we don't pass the plate for an offering. We've just got a box on the back wall with a sign over it and... Um, that way nice like because our pastor is not a paid pastor uh, he was when he yeah. was first voted in but then he's like hey i don't need to be paid so everything he does and believe me he does a lot yeah. uh, is done just out of the purpose of sharing the gospel yeah well i also like it as an online giver it makes yes. me look less like i'm not doing anything <laughs> when they hand the plate around <laughs> Yeah, and uh, which we've got like the sign has a QR code because we partnered with an online giving platform. And so we've got that and then an option to give online uh, through our live stream as well. So that's. Yeah. So overall, as far as like the service structure, what would you say is the most impactful change for you? And why, why does it matter how the service is done? Uh, so the most impactful change was our worship time. Uh, Cause like when I first started going there before we dropped denominational ties and uh, other things happened that not even worth talking about at this point, uh, it was two songs welcome. And it was usually hymns to start uh, a welcome. And then you get into the more contemporary Christian, you know, just to try to please everybody. Um, and it really shifted the focus from the worshiper's preference to who the worship was about. And that's been like the most impactful thing. All right. So, so would you say your church service is geared more towards those who are already saved or towards new seekers and why? Uh, a lot of it is towards those who are already saved, but like we also welcome new seekers but the church as a whole is supposed to be an equipping ground for the saints. Um, trying to think of where it's set, but like 
believe it's first Corinthians 12. I want to say when it's talking about the diversities of gifts and how it's for the equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. And so that's really what our focus is. But at the same time, we also want to present the gospel. Um, But I've noticed a lot of when we do have visitors, their biggest complaints is worship's too long. And our only response is, well, we're not worshiping you. So, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Other countries don't don't have that limit at all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. Anything else to say for ministries figuring out their service structure or for people visiting new churches? Uh, So for ministries trying to figure out their structure, uh, what you can do is look at like how the sacrifice structure was done in Exodus. It's actually an interesting uh, concept where you start outside with uh, like the blood and the washing and you Mm -hmm. can actually equate that with what we call communion or other denominations call the Eucharist, where Mm -hmm. it's the covering of the blood of the lamb before you even enter the sanctuary. And then you go in and we're called to enter the presence of God with thanksgiving and praise. And so that's why we start with song and like, it's all to fill the house with the presence of God. So Mm -hmm. then like when the pastor's speaking, it's no longer on his own authority, but like through the, the authority of scripture and the Holy spirit. But when you try to box up everything the spirit does and say, Oh no, we don't want that here. Like you got to give the spirit room Mm -hmm. to move. And then like, as far as looking like people who are looking for churches, find one where the presence of God is priority. Uh, Because if we look at like what happened with Asbury recently uh, and you can take it or leave it because the evidence will be later on. But the thing that kicked off what is being called a revival, the message was all about being a people of God's presence and God's love. And so when you get into the presence of God, then you can become an effective vehicle for sharing the gospel outside of the church, because that's what we're called to do. Mm hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so usually at the end of these, we're asking people if they have any advice. So we're doing this in large part because a lot of our listeners have heard advice from other people on our show over the years of uh, to go visit a different church, to just see what brothers and sisters from another denomination are doing. Uh, since a lot of your focus is on worship, I wonder what advice would you have for somebody who's visiting a different denomination who enters in a place where they've never seen worship done? whatever ways it's being done right there. What advice do you have for them in that moment? Um, Worship is about the heart and not the style of music. And that's the biggest thing. Cause I've like, I've been to churches where like they sing nothing but hymns, but their heart isn't Mm -hmm. in it. And so it's just dead. And it sounds like they're just droning a hymn. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then again, we've done hymns at the church I'm at now and you can just feel the spirit all over it because it's the heart there that's worshiping and not just singing a song. Yeah. And I like what you said earlier. It's not, you're not worshiping the people in the church. They're not worshiping you. It's about God. So, you know, if, even if it feels dead, you can still worship from the heart. Yeah. Yeah. And like when I was at my, the church I grew up in, we did a missions trip to Jamaica, which if you've never gone to a third world country on a missions trip, number one thing you should try to do because it's amazing. But like I was able to see the difference of people who can sing halfway decent, uh, but their heart wasn't in it versus these people in Jamaica, like singing with everything they had. And even though Mm. more than half of them were off key, it sounded amazing. Mm. Like, yeah, like that's why it's said to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. It, and to, it also says to play skillfully, but it never says you have to <laughs> sing well, just make a joyful noise. And God gets the praise for that. Like, it's just an amazing experience if you ever get the chance. Yeah. Shout out Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, 
Tony, did you have anything else that you wanted to say, or do you want to plug your show again one more time before you head out? Um, so I actually just want to plug the ministry because right now we're coming out of like a pulling back phase. Uh, think of it like an arrow and we're getting ready for release and we're actually getting ready to launch a 12 month addiction recovery program uh, called the Freedom House. And we're going to be starting with uh, opening up to women. Uh, we're going to have about a dozen women when we first start we're in the grant applying and the building phase right now but the goal is to launch by the end of the year mm. awesome hey man that's great yeah that's it all right well hey thank you so much tony for joining us for this uh for this series and it's uh a weird one for us, you know, we're doing this one in three parts. So this was part two, everybody. Um, Tony, thank you so much for joining us. Um, again, make sure you follow him. Um, the podcast he was a part of, the church that he's a part of, all of that. We'll, we'll include some notes in the show notes. Um, Tony, if you don't mind emailing me any, I know you sent me a couple links already, but any other links you might want included, I'll make sure they're down there as well. Yeah, no problem. And thank you for having me on such short notice. Thank you for coming on such short notice. I really appreciate it. So could you remind our listeners who you are, what you do, and tell us something about the kind of church that you lead? Yeah, so I am the pastor of a house church and, well, really a network of house churches. Um, Essentially, I oversee the base congregation for my house church and then uh, provide administrative support for our sister churches across the area. Yeah. Also, his name's Joe Day. We mentioned it earlier in the episode, but not in section three yet. So, yeah, we're not used to doing episodes in parts. Forgive us. By the way, I am Joe Day. (laughs) He is Joe Day. Also host of Buddy Walk with Jesus and Kingdom on the Road. And did did the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle show start yet? Yes. Wow. What's what's the name of it? I forget. I just remember the logo, which is odd that I remember that more than the words, but uh Shell Shock, a TMNT series. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So check out that as well. Cool. So we do want this to be as expansive as possible to really get an idea of why churches do things the way that they do. So could you walk us through what your service is like and what it would be like to visit from, you know, the parking lot, which you definitely have, uh, through what happens after the service and fill us in on why you do things the way you do them? Okay, so uh, there is three main parts to uh, our service. We break bread. We have a guided time of scripture reading, which is... For, for a very a very churchy phrase for it is lectio divina, <laughs> um, and then the discussion uh, afterwards. So it's it's kind of taking cues from marrying the worlds of part what makes house churches great with that that community atmosphere and things like that, part liturgical, and part. Uh, open discussion and unpacking the scriptures in, in a community setting. Um, we are a smaller group, so there is sometimes worship in, in the standard sense. Um, sometimes not depends on the week and essentially what we want it to feel like whenever anybody comes in is that they are welcome to family meal essentially you know, it, it can be a little bit daunting entering uh, a house church setting for the first time. And so because of the size. And so basically we want people to be able to feel like they're not on the spot, but they're also welcome to be able to be a part of the community. Um, the standard service lasts somewhere in the ballpark of an hour to an hour and a half, depending um, for the actual like, quote unquote, proceedings. But a lot of times because we are a tighter group, because there is more intimacy and it's more geared towards a community, there's conversation 
that takes place afterwards. There's um, discourse. I mean, honestly, we've had we've had a gathering go two and a half, three hours before. Just depends on the week. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So there's a couple other things that I heard you saying there. I wanted to just bring a little bit of attention to. So it's a house church. So parking just going to be like if you go to someone's house. I assume it's not going to be like greeters yes. and stuff. Um, one of the big differences that people have that we've talked to so far is in the um, let's see worship and song part. So how does that part? If you said you sometimes you do it, sometimes you don't. But how does that part? What does it look like when you do it? I mean, there's not a stage. What's it look like? Um, it it looks like I pull out my guitar, or somebody else pulls out a guitar. Um, one person who comes has a djembe, um, and it's it's pretty acoustical, sort of stripped down worship. Um, generally it's either something from, um, c- certain, certain hymns. Um, I, I, I stay away from some hymns, but usually some of the, the more universal hymns that aren't denominationally oriented, um, or songs that originate, I tend to find a sweet spot in that late 1800s period, early 1900s period, uh, when things were a little bit more um, verse for verse adaptations into music, mm-hmm. rather than something that's a little bit more uh, popular or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the other thing I wanted to bring attention to real quick before TJ takes the show, um, you use the word liturgical. So I'm just kind of curious. What does that mean in a house church setting? What does it look like? And then, of course, I want to know, do you do any creeds in the house church? Um, reciting or adhering to? I was asking about reciting, but I mean, I'm interested in both. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, yes, in the sense of... <laughs> We're, we're Christians, so there's there's yeah. <laughs> adhering to the ba- to the base creeds and all of that. Um, reciting the creeds, no. Um, with uh, not not that honestly, just because it's never ha- it's never happened, not that I would have an issue with it or anything yeah. like that. Um, generally, it's a guided prayer most of the time that is um, action response. Um, there is, there's also been adaptations of scripture that we've also done in a liturgical sort of way where it's, um, through the Psalms or, you know, through, um, there are certain parts that kind of lend to that action response sort of motif. Okay, cool. So like a read and response kind of thing. Um, Basically, yeah. But y'all don't follow any liturgical calendar or anything as far as like what passages you read? No, um, I have started looking into that. I think the best way to describe what we do is like liturgy light. Um, It's not really like in the strictest definition of the phrase liturgical. Um, You take somebody like... um, frequent guest to your show pastor will right and you you have his setting and and all of that um somebody who attends his church may attend our house church and say that we're not liturgical by any stretch of the imagination (laughs) um so i I guess it really in that in that regard depends on on how strict you're being to the 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 definition of liturgy but yeah i'm i have started looking into that and i would be interested in modeling a version of that without going completely and totally liturgical um by there there's a measure of this that is um meeting the folks that walk through our door where they're at because the idea here is that as a community we're coming together and we are unpacking the scriptures together we're doing life together there's a lot of that for folks who have who have heard me speak before on here or elsewhere talking about the house church model that that part of it still very much mm-hmm. alive and well the part where i guess the reason why 
liturgy is becoming more of a thing is there is an aspect to the corporate sense of engaging with scripture that is almost acts as kind of like a connective tissue that if mm-hmm. done well can really serve as as a strong connective piece and so that's more of what i'm going for rather than adhering to the specific um liturgical calendar yeah yeah for sure yeah and i just ask because i know everybody means something different by it like you said someone at will's church might think one thing and then TJ and I grew up very Pentecostal and a lot of those churches, you know, any reading response at all is way too liturgical. So, you know, just kind of depends right. who you're talking to. Yeah. yeah. So would you say your church service is more geared toward those who are already saved or towards new seekers and why? Um, yes. So the, the lion's share of folks that, that attend are, are saved. Um, but we, a lot of what we do, I, I liken to field medicine. Um, establish, like, churches that are in a building are more like hospitals. They, people come to them. People are, they, they, they have the, the resources and the building and, the, and all of that kind of stuff. For something like what we do, we're able to meet people where they're at in a more literal sense. And that has opened the door um, that, well, I should say that coupled with my, my wife and I and the way that we operate the ministry and all of that and what we've been through and kind of what, where, how we have come to the point of serving people has opened the door for a lot of folks that have been um, that have seen some kind of damage from the standard church model. And so that, that, well, that, that as well as people who have questions and realize that we are a safe place that even though we claim the same savior as some of the other people that they have been put off by, um, we, we really do attempt to make it a point to love first. Um, and, and ask questions second. So, um, we do have a blend, but I would say that the, that the lion's share are people that have already, um, claimed the name of Christ. Yeah. So for those who did come from other church backgrounds or whatever, what, what have you found is both the easiest thing for people to connect to when they first attend a house church? And what's the, the biggest challenge for people who've never been in that kind of setting? Um, the food is usually one of the, the easiest ways for as much as I've, I've had a lot to Amen. say about Christian's obsession with, with a meal and with food. Um, I, I it, it's something, it's something that really does make people, you know, more comfortable in certain regards. Yeah. As far as the hardest, um, I would say for different reasons, both Christians and non-Christians are put off by the size because for something like what we do, we in certain ways have the same kind of scent as a, as a standard church model. In other ways, we are radically different. Mm-hmm. Um, there really is not a lot in the way of you get to fill up a pew and you get to sit by in, in this kind of setting. We are very oriented towards community and and the gathering and the, and the collective of the people. Um, and, and some people dig that. Some mm-hmm. people really don't. And and likewise, for for non for for non Christians, some people dig that whole idea that it is about community. It's not just about uh, tradition or rhetoric or something along those lines. And some people are really put off by that more intimate gathering. Yeah. Yeah. As an introvert, it's both better and harder to be in that kind of setting. You know, on the one hand, it's like, oh man, now I actually have to connect to these people. But on the other hand, I'm not surrounded by a bunch of people. Right. Um, so, so let's, let's go there for, for our practical action in this series. 
we've been more specifically asking people for advice. Um, you know, we're doing the series because so many people have gone on our show and their advice for Christian unity was for people to visit other churches to see what fellow brothers and sisters worship like. What are they like over there? What are they doing? Just so you have a better understanding. So I guess for those who are either from from other kinds of church services, if they're going to visit a home church for the first time, um, and let's say that is the big drawback is like they're intimidated by the intimate setting. What advice do you have for them in, in that situation? My biggest piece of advice is to remember that it's just a collection of the saints that looks different. You know, one of the beautiful things when you really understand what unity is, is that it doesn't have to look uniform. Mm -hmm. It can look wildly different. And so if you're entering a house church for the first time, you have a prime example to engage with folks, to be able to really um, get a feel for people's stories and to be able to cooperate in a community. And for some people, they're put off by that because it's not their community. But in my experience, house churches tend to understand that by nature of what they do, it's going to be a more transient congregation, mm-hmm. for lack of a better phrase. You know, mm-hmm. I've I've watched people over the last several years come and go. People People tend to hang out with us for a season. And yeah. so one of the misconceptions about that is that it's the same core group for years and years and years. And some people have been around, but other people, but, but the, by, by far and away, the larger group has been transient. And so a new person coming in to engage and to participate and all of that way more often than not is going to be very welcome because it's going to be part of the, I guess, the status quo, for lack of a better phrase. It will not be new to most house churches that there is somebody stepping in and 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 coming in to to do to do the experience with everybody and and remember it might it might you know the breaking of the bread might look like a little gimmick cup at a, at a, an, at a, a more at a regular church at a at a more standardized church um but it's still symbolic of the same thing that the meal that a house church is having is symbolic of. It's still an act of communion. Our worship might not look like a guitar, a guitar and a djembe. It might look like a reading of the Psalms, but it's still an act of worship, the same as the electric guitar and the stage and all of those kinds of things. The, the, the time of guided communication and whether it be scripture reading or prayer or what have you, it's it's not a sermon. It's still walking through the scriptures just in a different way. So it's a matter of opening your 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 opening yourself up to just all of the, a lot a lot of the same stuff that just looks different for the setting. Hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And that can be powerful, whether you're visiting a house church or what, whatever church you're visiting, just knowing that, oh, it's going to look a little different and just opening yourself up to worship God in that setting. You know, you don't have to repeat anything heretical depending on where you're at, <laughs> but, you know, just open yourself up. I think that's pretty, pretty solid advice. Yeah. I want to, can, can I add just a, almost like a point B it isn't exactly Absolutely. the advice that you asked for, but I do want to include this for as advice to anybody who would be considering joining a house church, like on a on a on a regular basis, rather than just visiting or something along those lines. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest pieces of advice is probably one of the most intimidating, mm-hmm. and for those of you that don't realize this. This concept is just as intimidating for the pastor as it is for the congregants. When you engage in that community setting, you are risking building relationships. And and I wish I could tell you that building relationships is a risk-free proposition. It is not a risk-free proposition. Along the way, 
when you engage with people, people are imperfect. So you're going to get hurt. That's life. That's the reality. But we have this beautiful gift given to us of the ability to join in community with other people. Mm. And that's possible in, uh, in, in churches of, of a variety of sizes. I, 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 I argue how possible it is in an auditorium, but yeah, that's, that's <laughs> neither here nor there. Yeah. But in that setting, you have an opportunity to start building connections with people that are other kingdom citizens or other people that are there and aware of the gimmick. Because if it's somebody who's who's uh, attending on a uh, on a frequent basis, even if they aren't a Christian, it's somebody who understands the gimmick that this is building relationships with other people. Mm. Yeah. yeah, which is a strong and yeah, it's an awesome focus of the house church model. I wish more churches could or would do more with that too. Yep. So before we wrap up, you know, we just like to ask everyone to share a moment that they saw God in recently in their life, whether it be a blessing, challenge, moment of worship, curse, whatever. Um, I always make Josh go first to give us plenty of time to think. So, Josh, do you have a God moment for us this week? Yeah, and I will give you plenty of time. I have a three-part God moment <laughs> to go with our three-part episode. Yeah. Well, good um, God. <laughs> funny. Um, so, I've mentioned on the show before, this is why I wanted to bring it up. Um, I've been learning to anticipate Easter more by going to a church that follows the liturgical calendar. So that's what the whole season's kind of been about. We've been building up to Easter this whole time. Um, and I found myself in a situation where I wasn't going to go to an Easter service, which I was kind of bummed about because like, man, I've been building up this whole time. I kind of wanted to go to an Easter service. I knew I was going to be in Kentucky. I was hoping to go to my uncle's church. He goes to a Catholic church. I thought it'd be kind of an interesting finale to this Easter season for me. They ended up not not being able to go either. I was staying at my cousin's apartment, which he, my uncle and aunt and everybody was staying there too. And I was like, you know what? I want to give of myself and I want to make everybody a really big breakfast. And we're just going to do Easter breakfast because we weren't getting together for lunch because all the family was doing just different whatever things. No one was doing an Easter dinner. And I was like, well, we're going to have our own Easter breakfast. Um, and, and I ended up finding myself in the situation where I gave of myself for others on Easter. And then my uncle pulled out the passages that they read in liturgy. So we read the passages together. Um, and this part of my family included myself being currently kind of Lutheran, a couple Pentecostals and a couple Catholics. So we had this kind of really cool unity thing, even though we were all family, we had our own Easter service. I was able to give of myself. My uncle then you know, he gave me money since I made breakfast and everything, I guess. So he gave of himself to me and it was a great blessing. And then on the way home, this is part three, the way home, I was just kind of thinking of it all. My, um, I lost my grandmother and my grandfather on the other side last year. And my grandmother that passed away last year, her favorite holiday was Easter. And I was just thinking of that on the way home and realized, Hey, I feel like I did her justice. I feel like this is how she would have wanted me to do Easter. I really lived the gimmick, you know? And then I was thinking of how now this year, not only did she get to spend Easter with my grandfather on that side again, which they've been apart for a while since he passed, but also she's spending Easter with Jesus. So that was kind of a cool thing of a, oh yeah, yeah, to, to die is to be in the presence of the Lord, you know, rough quote of the Bible. But I was like, she's having the ultimate Easter celebration. And that, I don't know, it, I did cry a little bit. It was a great moment. It was a good day. Yeah. The uh, the heaven Easter egg hunt I've heard is really crazy. God, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Phenomenal. <laughs> so, for me, I'm a big friends guy. I love my friends. Not the show, mid. Uh, one of my close friends has been going through a lot recently. Uh, he cut himself off from basically everyone except for me and one of our other friends named Josh. Not this Josh, but... Uh, he's been this way for about a month and he ate since Easter, which has only been a couple of days at this point, but mm. has started talking to people again. Uh, he's in a better mood. Uh, he is utilizing his poor coping mechanisms less. And I'm so very grateful uh, that he was able to kind of break out of this spell that he's been in. Mm. And, yeah. Praise God. Um, thank God. Man, strong God moment all around today. So, Joe, do you have a, a God moment for us? 
I do. I do. Um, it has been a very wild um, couple of months and I kind of came limping into Holy Week in certain regards. And I don't tend to enjoy Good Friday services. Um, I, I think that they are, they tend to bypass contemplative straight to depressing. Um, but I came together with some other believers at, at their church and I got a chance to, it was, it was part, part of why I went is because it was, it was in vain of that Lectio Divina liturgical telling a story with a song in the scripture sort of thing. There was no, there was no sermon. And yeah. I've, I've always struggled with, um, corporate displays of communion because I think a lot of times they just get ritualized. You know, we have to do it every week. We have to do it with this exact way and all of this kind of stuff. And I came together with those believers. And in, in that moment, I felt the clarity of prayer in my heart that I had been looking for in the, in the, the, the peace of knowing that in that moment, I was connected with the kingdom with kingdom citizens around the world, memorializing the greatest event mm. in human history. And I simultaneously felt the magnitude of that, but also the weightlessness of just peace mm. in the father. And it was like, it was like triage for the soul. It was like, it was, it was a big deal. It was cool. Man. Yeah. I'm glad we let Joe go last. That's a good one. <laughs> Yeah, also, we should always just include extra time for God moments right after Easter. Seems like that's yeah. appropriate. <laughs> yeah, that seems fair. Yeah. So if you enjoyed this crazy three-part whole church dissected episode, um, please consider sharing each part with a friend or a cousin. <laughs> each part, but uh, not the whole thing. <laughs> not the whole thing. Yeah. You got to specifically tell them to listen to like <laughs> from 35 minutes to like 52 minutes. Uh, yeah. You can also share with an enemy. Yeah. That's always fun. You know, it's always a good time. Uh, our convention, it is, you still get, I think, an additional 20% off if you support us on Patreon. Here's a 10. Well, it's more. It's more than that now. So oh. regular price, general admission is $60. You get $20 off of general admission with the code whole patrons get $40 off. I'm only paying 20 bucks. Single day admission is $30. No discount. Sorry. You know, if you're going for a single day, that, that is the discount. Yeah. So be a doll come every day and pay for a single admission every day. <laughs> uh, that would be awesome. And uh, we would love to see you there. Also support yeah. us on Patreon to have access to our Q and a discord channel. Yeah. Also, check out our other show, Systematic Geekology at systematicgeekology.org. Um, all of us have done stuff there. A lot of the people on various parts of today's episode have been on there at various points. And you can find them all by hitting host or guest or something. And, you know, you'll see names. You'll see who you want to hear, who you don't want to hear. If you listen to this whole episode, you have a good idea about who you don't want to hear. So that's always that's always a positive. You know, I like going into things knowing what I want to skip. Yeah. So we hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, come back next week as we continue the series on church services with more popular turn guests. Then we will have Professor Andrew Lucius of Charleston Southern University join us to reflect on the different worship styles churches discussed during this series. After that, we'll have a couple live recordings from our upcoming convention. And then finally, at the end of season one, Francis Chan will be joining us. Yeah, he doesn't know yet, though, but I'm sure someone will tell him. One Completely day. oblivious. Yeah. Maybe he'll just wander into a house church somewhere and they'll pray for him and he'll have a sudden, you know, revelation that he needs to be specifically on this podcast. Yeah. Joe, if Francis Chan walks into your house Sunday, please. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, don't ask him. Don't worry. I'll do you guys a solid. <laughs> All right. I appreciate it. Thank you so oh, much. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the whole church podcast. Remember, you can always sponsor our show at patreon.com forward slash the whole church podcast.
Tune back in next week. We'll be continuing our series on church services. I'm here with Brandon Knight, Christian Ashley, a couple of great guys. We're going to talk about uh, the AMP on his own ministries podcast. But before that, I'm going to go back and record the call to open because I forgot that's how we do things. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything because it's your show. But I mean, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, this right. is what happens when Josh doesn't weird. show up. I it was weird real. not having a five minute introduction for you also. Yeah. <laughs> this feels well, wrong. And we are Hello? joined by Joshua Noel. <laughs> I already did the intro. You missed it. I went rogue. You can't do <laughs> the intro comes after the verse. Not anymore. Josh wasn't here. I changed it. <laughs>